Thank you so much, Pastor. And thank you to my wonderful, handsome, blessing of God, my husband. And I also want to thank Pastor Don. This is such an honor. It's such an honor to stand before you, church. A privilege I don't take lightly. Let's read the word that we have for today. It's from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. And I want you to read with power. You ready? Let's go. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Come on. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good nose so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. And I really want to thank Pastor Don for this honor. You know, this is such a privilege. It's such a high privilege for me. And I also want to thank my precious husband for his covering and also for his input into this message. I'm preaching for the both of us this morning. Hallelujah. Pastor Don said a couple of Sundays ago when he was preaching that no one in God's kingdom is exempt from battle. The minute you sign up as a believer, the minute you join the family of God, you have signed up for war. As long as we're on this earth, we are in a fight against an enemy. And we are in a battle with a strategic enemy. The text that we just read says that we are to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Other translations say all the schemes of the devil. Now that word scheme, it means to make plans especially in a devious way or with intent to do something illegal or wrong, a crafty secret plan. It's the Greek word methodeia, which means cunning, trickery, deceit. Other translations of this same scripture talk about the deceptive tactics. We are to stand firm against the deceptive tactics of the enemy. Y'all, Satan is strategic and he is tactical in his fight against us. The word scheme means to make plans. You know, sometimes we forget that Satan is making plans against me, against you, specifically against you. You know, Satan is studying you and me. He knows what triggers you, what triggers me. He knows what's going to trip you up, what's going to trip me up. And he's devious and he's cunning and he's tricky. Satan isn't just having this hit or miss and he's doing and hoping he hits one of us. He's coming after each of us individually, specifically, strategically 
tactically. He's making cunning plans. Now, pastor gave this example. He said that most of us, if Satan walked up to our front door and knocked on our front door and we opened the door and we see Satan standing there, most of us would not let him into our house. And most of us would have at least one or two scriptures. Remember when pastor said that? At least John 3.16. At least Jesus wept something, you know, something to try and chase him away. So because Satan knows he's rarely going to make it through the front door, pastor said that he's cunning and he's slippery and he's sneaky and he's deceptively trying to find a side entrance or another way in instead of just the front door. And when he said that, it made me think of a situation that my precious husband and I faced a few weeks ago. We had a snake in our house. And I'm not talking about a little bitty snake. I'm talking about a demon five feet or more long, huge, big. You don't seem moved, but us, we were very moved. <laughs> Alan had gone to the kitchen late at night to get me a cup of water. Praise God for our husbands. And uh, on his way, he found the snake and it was trying to go down a hole that was right by our guest bathroom door. So half of its body was already under the floor and it was trying to worm its way down in. And so Alan told me that this snake is here and he went out to get the panga and I did something not quite as useful. I grabbed my phone to take pictures and update my Instagram stories. While Alan went for weapons of warfare, I was informing my social media platforms that there was a snake in our house. And I was making sure that I was documenting this. Alan went out, he called our neighbor, he called the guard. And by the time they came in, you know, with the snake, we had, we had thrown a shoe at it and chased it into the bathroom. And then we shut the bathroom door. And then we put a towel at the bottom of the bathroom. And I was left standing guard. And some might say that while I was on my phone, the snake got out. But I refused the report that it got out while I was watching. Because when Alan and the guard and the neighbor came, that snake was nowhere to be found. And my friends, it's not easy to hide a five-foot snake in a bathroom as small as ours. Those men looked for hours, for hours. And every single person there had a theory of how that snake got out. Most of the theories were that Rebecca was not doing a good job of watching guard. However, we started looking how did this snake get out of this room? But more importantly, how did this snake get into this house? Because I can guarantee you, we did not open the door and see a five-foot black mamba and then decide, Aya Karibu, have, a, have some water, food, whatever it is you're looking for. Man, we looked everywhere for how did that thing get out and how did it get in? We moved furniture. Manze, we, you know your mind starts telling you it got out, then it went up in a chair and it's just waiting to bite you. Yanni, you, we almost took our toilet apart because how many of you know you fear that thing will come in moments of, and you know, so, hey, Wano, we're looking everywhere. We're looking everywhere. And as we're looking, we start discovering, hiya, do you know in our window, there's a small crack, there's a hole there and ha, I haven't even noticed, you know, over here, there's another crack here. In fact, Alan and I, in our... Uh, commitment to find this thing. Monday, we moved a shelf. We have not moved once since we moved into our house. And when we moved that shelf, Bono, we found a crack between the floorboard and the floor of our house, two inches thick, that was behind the, 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 the shelf that we moved. 
Man, we taped up the holes. We taped up the floor. Duct tape, my friend. Andy, we're dust taping everything. We put towels at the bottom of every door, not just the, the, the door in and out of our house, even the doors in our house. Kwanzaa, our bedroom door. Andy, my husband put a towel and then chairs and then a hammer and then a saw and then a stool. <laughs> and he's like, buddy, if that thing is still in this house, it is not getting into the bedroom. And then even if it's in the bedroom, Manze Allen had a, his panga and his rungu and he slept with them like this. <laughs> After a couple of days, I felt uneasy and I asked the Lord, Lord, if that thing is still in our house or if there are any access points that we haven't found, would you show me? And I walked into our guest bathroom and down in the corner of the bathroom was a big old snake head sticking out right from under the wall. And I had to get all the way down on my knees to see, hiya, there's another hole that's there. And we did this whole dance again. Find the panga, call the neighbor. Where is the guard? We have found it, of course it went back in, but now I knew where it was. And this time, Annie, I did not touch. My phone was in the bedroom. I stood there, my husband was gone, and I'm telling you God's truth. I stood there for 50 minutes and looked at the corner like, no one will accuse me this time. I was busy Instagramming and the snake got away. I stood there like this until he got home and he found me standing there and I'm like, it's there. It's in the wall. Today. Church, I want to minister to you on being renewed in intentional warfare. Being renewed in intentional warfare. And I want to share some practical things that Alan and I have learned from this experience. How many of you know that there is a snake that is trying to craftily and sneakily get into your house, get into your mind, get into your family, get into your business, discouragement, Worry, anxiety, fear, compromise, pride, division, and disconnection are trying to unnoticeably sneak into our lives. Revelation chapter 12 verse 9 says, The great dragon was cast down, the old serpent, he that is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. It repeats it again in Revelation chapter 20 verse 2. That serpent, that snake, the devil... And just like the snake that was in Alan and I's house, Satan, the devil, that snake, the devil, is trying to find access points. He's trying to find holes and cracks. He's trying to find somewhere that he can sneak in and sneak out. He's trying to access because we're not going to open the door. And let me tell you one thing that Alan and I were when that snake got into our house, we were intentional. We were so intentional. We, we looked intentionally. We researched about snakes intentionally. We sharpened our panga again intentionally. We blocked up those holes and filled up those cracks intentionally. The word intentional means it's done on purpose. It's deliberate. It's not hit and miss. We were intentional about trying to block this thing from coming in and trying to find it and locate it. We have to be purposeful and deliberate in our fight against this snake. Too often we're expecting God to do what he has clearly let us know is our part. We're sitting there saying, God, 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 there's a snake in our house. And this scripture says, hey, you stand for him and put on the armor with which to wage war. So number one, here are five lessons we learned about intentional warfare with that serpent, the devil. Number one, look for where the snake is getting in. 
Look, nobody would open a door and let a snake in. So you have to ask, how is this thing getting here? How is it getting into my life? How is this uh, discouragement? Where is it having access? This temptation, this lust, this pride, this disconnection, this arguing with my husband, where is the access point? How is this thing getting in? Because I didn't say, hey, this morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to fight with my husband. That's my plan today. I didn't open the door and welcome that thing in. So if it comes in, I have to now ask, how did that thing get there? Now listen, I want to show you a few pictures, but I want to reassure you, church, that I'm not going to show you a picture of a snake because I don't want you to be listening today going like this, being afraid that I'm going to trigger y'all with this snake, okay? But I want you to look at this picture right here. When Alan and I moved that shelf, we found, you see that gap? That, that's like a two, where the big hole is, like a three-inch gap. We would have never seen that had we not moved the shelf. And that happened because our foundation of our house has shifted. That was not there when we first moved in. There was no gap when we first got into that house. But we put something in front of it, and as our foundation moved, an access point opened for this snake to get in. And so we had to become intentional, and sometimes, church, you have to go and check your foundations again. If there's a snake in your house, sometimes you got to go and check and see, is my foundation still in the same condition I left it in? Sometimes you're going to have to move some furniture in your life. Sometimes you're going to have to put some work into this thing. Sometimes you're going to have to look because if there's a snake in your house that you didn't let in, that thing is getting in somewhere. Let me tell you, when we were looking around, we started seeing things we hadn't noticed before. And at the end result was our house became more secure and more safe because God will use even the attacks of the enemy to make you stronger and make you safer and make you better. Number two, do what you need to do and undo what you need to undo to get that snake out. Listen, we thought we had all our bases covered until that thing showed its head again. And where it came, that little corner of the bathroom, we would have never, I would have never seen that I had to get down on my knees. And I just want to tell you, church, there are some areas the enemy has access to your life. You're going to have to get on your knees to find out where it is. Some of these things we're going to have to start praying and pressing in and saying, God, show me. There are some Instagram accounts you're following that are access points into your life. There are some blogs you're reading that are access points into your life. There are some conversations you might be having that might be access points for this discouragement and anxiety and confusion to come in. And sometimes we have to get on our knees and say, God, show me where this thing is coming from. Show me. I have to get down on my knees until I can see, aha, that's where it's coming from. And when we called the guard the second time, Man, he came in, and because I'd seen it was inside the wall, I'm not joking, y'all, we took our wall apart. We pulled off the floorboards. When you walk into our guest bathroom now, there's a huge dent in the wall because somebody bashed it with a hammer. We were serious about getting this snake. We poured like 50 liters of boiling water down into that thing. <laughs> what are you willing to do, and what are you willing to undo to get that thing out of your life? How many of you, by a show of hands, how many of you would be comfortable to go to sleep with a venomous snake in your house? How many of you would be comfortable to go to sleep if you saw the snake, 
but you don't see it anymore. And so you're like, well, I guess it's gone. Let me just go to bed. If we would not be comfortable to rest when there is a physical snake in our house, why are we so content to rest when there are spiritual snakes in our house? How serious are you about protecting your territory? Listen, when both times we saw that snake, it was late at night, we were tired, we wanted to go to bed, but there was no way we were gonna let that thing sit in our house and just say, well, let's go to sleep, we'll find it tomorrow. <laughs> no. And again, I said, no. We can't let laziness or weariness stop us from defending our territory. Let me tell you the difference between physical snakes, natural snakes, and spiritual ones. Natural snakes, contrary to what you might have been told, natural snakes are not interested in you. They've come because they want warmth or food or something. Snakes are more scared of you than you are of it. But a spiritual snake, that old serpent, the devil, he's gotten into your life for one reason, to find you, to poison you, to kill you. He only has one agenda. He's not coming for food except you. He's not coming for warmth except to take your fire. The thing that Satan is coming for is you. That snake of pride, that snake of anxiety, that snake of fear, that snake of comparison. That thing isn't coming in to stay in the corner and leave you alone. That thing is coming in to poison you, to poison your marriage, to poison your children. Now you might say, Rebecca, you're just trying to scare me with this. Listen, y'all, the, um, the message paraphrase of this scripture says, this is a life and death fight. We are in a life and death fight. Whatever area that snake has come for, he has come to fight to the death. Somebody is going to die. It's going to be you or that snake. And we have to take this seriously. We have to be renewed the same way we see physical snakes and we, buddy, we get into action. We have to do that. And you might say, Rebecca, you're just trying to wind us up and scare us. But you know, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That word fear is the Hebrew word yira. And yira means to respect and it means reverence. It doesn't mean those who are scared of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm scared. That's not the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is I respect the Lord. I revere the Lord. What you respect, you treat accordingly. We need to start getting some fear for these snakes so that we'll take it seriously. Fear makes me find my panga. I'm not talking about the fear of retreat. I'm talking about the fear of defense. There is a fear that checks in that makes me defend because I respect that this thing has the power of life and death. I respect that if this thing bites me, it's the end of the line for me or it's going to poison me or I'm going to lose an arm or a leg. It will cost me if I mess with this thing. And that respect propels me into action, which brings me to number three. Get out your sword and make sure that it's sharp. You know, the first thing that Alan went for was his panga, his machete. This is the actual one. We have dubbed this in our house, the serpent slayer. 
We have to go after our panga when there's a snake in the house. Now, sometimes we do what I did. We grab our phone instead of our sword. We go to talk about it instead of deal with it. We go to post about it instead of kill it. Somebody say, God help Rebecca. I, I receive it. Thank you very much. This panga is our sword. And the scripture that we read this morning says, <laughs> this morning, the scripture we read like five minutes ago says that we are to stand firm and take your sword, which is the word of God. The question I want to ask you today and I, the question I want you to ask yourself today is, is your panga sharp? Is the word of the Lord sharp and ready and close by in your life? Are you ready to wage warfare? You know, when a snake is in your house, that's a bad time to go outside and look for that dude who, who you know, that guy who walks around and he sharpens your knives. That's a really bad time to go be like, hello, hello. Well, there's a snake. I'm going to go to the field or your backyard and find a stone and start sharpening. We sharpen our pangas when we don't need them so that they are ready when we do need them. It is a foolish, foolish soldier who sits down to sharpen his sword at the beginning of battle. Times of peace are when we sharpen our sword. Times of war is when we pick it up. It's ready. It's sharp. We're going to do battle. We need some people who are going to pick up the word when discouragement and disconnection comes into your marriage. When you start fighting with your spouse, you need to pick up the sword and the word of God and say, I'm not letting that snake in my house. I'm not letting that snake in my marriage. I'm not letting that snake put division between me and my husband or me and my wife. When that snake comes in to destroy your children, confuse your children, where is your sword? Where is the word of God? The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. I want you to remember that even Satan can quote scripture for his own twisted purposes. Your sword better be sharp when it's time. We need some men of God who are going to rise up and strap on their swords and slay. Kill the snake trying to get into your family. Kill the snake trying to get into your integrity. Kill the snake trying to mess with your relationship with God. We need some women of God who are going to rise up and pick up their sword and go after that snake that's trying to attack your children and your relationships and your friendships. We need some young people who are going to get serious and say, hey, this thing is after me. It's trying to kill me. You got to pick up your sword and slay. And I'm not talking about slay. I'm talking about would the real slay queens please stand up? Would the real slay queens please stand up we have to kill the enemy number four call for help we called for backup church there is no shame in having a snake in your house we've all had a snake in our house it happens to everybody it's not embarrassing. What's shameful is letting the snake stay in your house. If I come to your house to drink tea and there's a mamba coiled up in the corner and I'm like shocked and you say, oh yeah, 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 we just avoid him. I might question you a little bit. I might be a little, I might not stay in your house for very long. And you know what the enemy tries to do, church? He tries to 
isolate us and make us embarrassed. He tries to make us freeze with fear. You know, the truth is, Alan, he's a very strong man, but snakes. Are there any other men who will just be honest and say, you've had me, snakes. That's a bad story. Alan was a little scared of that snake. And the neighbor who we called, that neighbor was a little scared of that snake. And the guard who we called, that guard was a little scared of that snake. You know, there was a point we moved something and we, there was a light, a, a lamp on the desk and the cable of the lamp was <laughs> black and hanging down the back. And we moved it and the guy, yeah! <laughs> I'm talking grown, strong men doing, yeah! <laughs> but there is something about when everybody who's a little scared gets together, that fear turns to camaraderie. It turns to bravery. Man, y'all should have heard Alan and this guy. Man, they're scared of the snake, but Yanni, they're gassing. He's like, bro, you can do it. Bro, no, it's a Bro, we're going to kill this thing. Everyone here is scared. But there's something about when we get together. There's something about when we call for help. Now what was frightening us now is doable. Now we can kill it. Now we have backup. You've got to get over this lie that the devil's telling you of, you know, if there's a, if there's a snake of lust, don't tell anybody because you're the only one who has that lust. No, you're not. We've all had that snake in our house. Oh, there's a snake. I'm fighting with my spouse and, and, and I don't, I don't, I'm embarrassed to go tell my pastor that I need come. Buddy, we've all had that snake in our house and Satan is trying to embarrass you and get you not to call for help because he knows he has a better chance with you on your own. Call for help. Look, I want you to look at this picture. This brother here in the red uh, sweater, this is Patrick. Y'all got the picture of Patrick? Patrick is a guard. Now, Patrick has some serious uh, experience with snakes. Y'all see Patrick leaning in there? And that's Alan behind him. And they're, <laughs> buddy, they are strategizing. <laughs> and, and, and Patrick has had so many snakes in his house and shags. And Patrick was experienced. He told us what to do and he helped us do it. Some of y'all need to pick up the phone and call your brother Patrick. You need to call your cell leader. You need to call your pastor. You need to call some surrounding. You need to say, you've had so much experience doing this. Would you tell me what to do? Buddy, me, I didn't know nothing from nothing. Me, I was like, chop it in half. And Patrick's like, let's boil some water. And I'm like, boil water. Wow, wow, wow. This is amazing. Number five, and I finish. Kill it dead no matter how small it is. You know, a few weeks after all this happened, actually during cell, much to my cell lady's shock and horror, we had a small snake show up in our kitchen during cell. I mean, if that's not the devil, I don't know what is. And this thing was small, still a black snake. It was small, maybe a foot long at most. But can I tell you that we didn't let it pass because it was small or not as threatening. Do you know that small venomous snakes are as dangerous as big ones? And do you know that baby venomous snakes are as deadly as adult ones? Baby snakes are born with venom and fangs. From the moment they hatch, they are deadly. And this is what the enemy does so often is he tries to present himself as small, as non-threatening, as cute, moo, 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 moo. we just keep it, it's so small, it's not. hey, that thing, if it touches you, it will kill you. Small thoughts, small compromises, small ideas, small flirtations, small arrogance, small secrets. They're deadly. 
They're poisonous. They're dangerous. I'm telling you, my friends, when that snake came into our kitchen during cell, my husband took the serpent slayer and he killed that snake. And then when it was dead, he killed that snake some more. And then when it was dead the second time, man's friend, he killed that thing dead, dead, beyond hope of resurrection. He finished that thing. And then he went and he scattered the remains in front of the house to warn all the other snakes. This is your future, dare you cross this threshold. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 11.3, I'm afraid that exactly as the snake seduced Eve with his smooth tongue, you're being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. The common English Bible says, I'm afraid that your minds might be seduced in the same way as the snake deceived Eve with his devious tricks. You might be unable to focus completely on a genuine and innocent commitment to Christ. Church, as our opening scripture says, we have to stay alert. Even now, whenever Alan and I walk into a room, buddy, we're looking around. (laughs) Is there a snake? Is there a sign of a snake here? We're on high alert because Satan, as the scripture says, is trying to seduce us and talk to us with a smooth tongue. He's trying to engage in conversation with us, just like he did with Eve. He's starting to ask us, is that what God really said? Are you sure God doesn't want you to have that? Let's deconstruct this a little bit. Let's talk about this a little bit because Satan knows the longer we are discussing the sword, the less likely we are to put it to its intended use. Many of us have gotten caught up in discussing the word instead of using the word we're debating the word we're questioning the word we're questioning so much about it we're reading blog posts on is that how it's supposed to be interpreted I don't know I think it should be interpreted this way and should this panga be this size and should it be curved and I don't like the color because the enemy knows the longer we're talking about it we're not going to pick it up and do what we're supposed to do with it which is chop off the head of that smooth tongue that's trying to deceive us Listen, Satan may try to present himself as unthreatening, as small as we can deal with this later. But church, can I tell you, quit sleeping with a snake in your house. Quit sleeping with a snake in your marriage, with a snake in your children's entertainment, with a snake in your Instagram follows. You're there saying, how am I struggling with this, with this uh, dissatisfaction with my life? Your social media is a gap for that snake of comparison to get into your life. Why am I struggling with the word? Why am I struggling with connecting to church? You've got to get on your knees and say, God, show me the access point. I'm not going to sleep until I find this thing. And I'm not going to sleep until I block its access. Church, show no mercy to the devil. He will show no mercy to you. He will show no mercy to your children. He's not merciful because they're cute and they're young. He's trying to poison them as early as he can. He's coming through TV and music. Rise up, mother. Rise up, father. Kill that snake. Come on, young people. I am constantly, I unfollow on my social media more than I follow because the minute you post something that's confusing me or distracting me or causing me to question, unfollow. I am blocking that access point to that snake of dissatisfaction and disconnection in my life. Let's pray. Father, some of us have allowed snakes into our lives, into our marriage and our families. 
We've become weary. We've become frozen with fear. Many of us sitting in this room today, we feel ashamed. We feel embarrassed about the things that we're dealing with. We feel embarrassed that it's more than one. It's more than two. We have so many. And we're frozen to ask and reach out for help. Father, many of us have convinced ourselves that these snakes aren't dangerous. Many of us have convinced ourselves that there are pets, that they won't hurt us. Father, we are in a war with a crafty, sneaky, tactical enemy. This is a life and death fight and we know he's trying to find any way in and that he's coming to poison and wound and kill. But we give thanks, Father, that we've been given the armor to fight and the armor to win. We have the sword. We have your word, the serpent slayer. Lord, help us to rise up and walk out of here intentional about protecting ourselves, our relationship with you, protecting our homes, our marriage, our children, our minds, or whatever else the snake is after. Help us to look for where the enemy's getting in. Do what we need to do to get him out. Lord, help us to take up our sword, to call for help and to kill it dead. Lord, not to give it room and give it space because we've allowed ourselves to be deceived that it's not threatening. Father, we pray that we would stay alert. Come on, I want you to stand up and I want you to, if you're willing, just lift up your hands and just let's pray. God, help me stay alert in my home in my relationships, in my family. Help me to stay alert, God. Help me not to grow weary and tired. Help me not to give in to the enemy, oh God. Lord, help me to pick up my sword. Help me to dust it off and sharpen it again so that I can wage war against this enemy. Thank you, God, that you've given us what we need to conquer, to win in Jesus' name.